worship you, Father. Lord God, we do thank you and praise you that you love us, that you receive us where we are, that you take our broken, weakened, wounded lives, begin to put us back together and build us back up and strengthen us and use us in a powerful way to reach out to a lost and dying world, that you would use us, God, as amazing, that you would pour your presence, your sweet Holy Spirit into our lives and then work through our lives in a powerful way, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves and then amazingly using our lives to, to minister to other people and share the hope of Christ, knowing where we've come from and knowing the things that you've done in our lives, that we may share that testimony of hope with others. And Father, I pray this morning that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity today, to really understand what a, a great, gracious, giving, loving Father that you are, that you would open our ears to hear your small voice speaking to our hearts, God. That we would be receptive to everything that you're speaking to us this morning. And that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us today. And that we would walk away changed. Because you've imparted something into us. All of us have different needs here this morning, God. And Lord, we're looking to you, hopefully, if we're not. And help us to turn our eyes off of our circumstances and our situations and, and the challenges and focus onto you this morning because you are the hope and you are the victory in our lives and that you give to us everything that we need. So, Father, this morning we pray with expectation that you will do these things in a mighty way and uh, that we would walk away changed because we've encountered you and we've received from you. And so we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Before we uh, get started, I wanted to just share a couple of things. Uh, Pastor Robert's going to be talking about uh, his church and Gateway Church and uh, how generous and giving they are. And, and I just wanted to, to just take a couple of minutes and say how grateful and thankful that I am for you guys that, uh, that to be a part of such a wonderful congregation is just such a blessing to me. And uh, I've been told that through this series that there have been people that have probably started giving for the first time, that maybe beginning to tithe, stretch out and begin to tithe, and uh, that there are people that are giving extravagant gifts and uh I'm excited about that for a couple of different reasons. First and foremost, because when we begin to implement the principles and the truths of God and, and He begins to change our heart, it has a, a lasting impact on us. And we benefit from that, from allowing God to touch our lives and change us. But also, uh, many of you know that we're wanting to, to bring on more staff to, to do what God's called us to do. And uh, we're completely debt-free. We don't have any debt, and we're putting as much into savings as, yeah, thank you, Lord. Yes, amen. 
God has been faithful in providing, even, even in the midst of expansion of ministries and birth, birthing of new ministries, a video ministry and things like that. We're remaining debt-free, and we're putting as much into savings as we can. And the hope is that, uh, that we will be able to purchase our own building and, and stay debt-free. Uh, I mean, God could bring us a building and give us a building, and, and that would be fine with me. Still, we're being good stewards of everything that God has given us, and we're watching every penny and, and putting everything that we can into savings to, to prepare for the future because God has given us a plan and a vision to reach the nations. And so we're moving forward in that, and we're preparing ourselves for everything that the Lord has for us. And I want Life Fellowship to be a model for other churches and what generous giving looks like. And I want us to set the standard. When you look at Gateway Church, they're a gracious, generous, giving church. And I want us to be like that because, and we are like that. Let me say, too, that we, we support a lot of ministries globally, regionally, and, and uh, locally that, that are helping people. And I think it was last week Pastor Robert talked about how uh, we can use the blessings that God gives to us, the monies that he gives us to change lives, to impact souls. And that's, that's God's greatest desire is people. It's not stuff. He created it all, and his greatest desire is to see people come into an intimate relationship with him. And so as we continue to give and support the ministries here, we're, we're supporting the Lord's work in reaching out to people. And there's a whole host of people in our communities that need the Lord. And for Resurrection Sunday, many of you know that we're going to be involved in the sunrise service at the Chemo Boardwalk. And we're going to need a lot of hands and feet involved in doing that. But the last couple of years, there have probably been five to 600 people down there. And uh, I know uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was privileged enough to be able to give, give the altar call. And I saw dozens of hands go up. That's what it's all about, guys. And so we, we're going to have this opportunity again in, in a, a few weeks. And so I want you to, to be involved in that. But, but what I really wanted to say is uh, just thank you. Thank you for your generous giving and support. And know that uh, these rewards are eternal. And when we implement these biblical principles, lives are changed and our church has changed because we are changed. It allows us to reach people with the good news, the great hope of Christ. And so I want to thank you. And let's be open to what the Lord wants to say to us this morning. Hey, everyone. How are you? Welcome to the services. Well, I want to welcome all the churches, too, that are joining us by simulcast. Uh, we're so grateful that you're here. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 12. We're in the series, The Blessed Life, and uh, today's message is entitled, Am I Generous? Am I Generous? And let me tell you something that happened to me. Um, I went to Walmart, and I was standing in line. There was a guy standing in front of me, and he had his stuff on the conveyor belt there. We already had the little rod between my stuff and his stuff, the little bar thing, and he was... <laughs> looking to get some breath mints, and he was, look, I could tell he was wrestling with something, and I thought, what, what's he wrestling with, you know, and then he took the breath mints, and he set them down on the conveyor belt, and he took one, another bar, and he put it between uh, his stuff, and the, the, I put the bar, and then, of course, my stuff was behind with another bar, 
but he was separating the, the breath mints from the stuff he already had there. And then he turned around, he just kind of turned around like this and saw me and he just started crying. And I, I didn't know I had that effect on people, you know? I, I, I mean, he just starts crying. And then he said, Pastor Robert, I have to tell you, he said, I, I'm a pastor and um, I've been listening to your Blessed Life series and you shared about uh, if you're not faithful with little things, you know, uh, who will give you true riches? And he said, I had to buy some stuff for the church, but I needed some breath mints. And I was wrestling with, you know, I need to pay for these breath mints separately. This is not a church expense. This is a personal expense. And even though it's a dollar, I need to be faithful. And, uh, and so, and then he said, and then I turned around and saw you standing there. <laughs> and he said, I was actually thinking right before I did this, what would Robert Morris do? <laughs> and then he saw me, you know, and I told him, I said, you ought to get a, a WWRMD bracelet. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Let's keep it WWJD. But the point is, I said to him, I said, you know, it's amazing, yes, that I was standing here and you were thinking, what was I doing? But even if I were not here and didn't see this, God saw it. God sees these little things. And so I said, told him, I'm proud of you. And here's what I want to say to all of you. I'm proud of you because you're doing it. You know, if I were preaching on witnessing and we were seeing a lot of people, more people getting saved, I'd say to you, I'm proud of you because you're doing it. If, we're, if I was preaching on prayer and you were beginning to pray more, I'd say, I'm proud of you. In the same way, uh, I know you're giving more. I know you're stepping out in faith and sometimes, it, and it's real difficult for many of you. I want you to know I'm proud of you. As your pastor, I'm proud of you. As a matter of fact, I'll, I didn't even share this with other services, but I, it just came to my mind. Uh, January was the largest tithe that Gateway Church has ever received, the month of January. So I'm, I'm proud of you. I want you to know that. So, all right. So we're talking about am I generous? John chapter 12, look at verse 1. It says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, watch verse 6 very carefully, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box, which was the offering box, and he used to take what was put in it. He actually took from the offering. Isn't that amazing? That's why he made that. Okay, so... When, when I read this, I thought of two questions. Why would Mary give such an extravagant gift, such a generous gift? Why would she do that? And I'll explain to you later how extravagant it was. And then the second question is, and why would it get Judas upset? There are two hearts displayed here, a heart of generosity and a heart of selfishness. And I want you to notice what revealed each heart giving. That's what revealed. So when I say, am I generous, I put it in the first person 
so that when you say it, you're asking yourself, and when I say it, I'm asking me, because to be honest, sometimes I am, and sometimes I'm not. I still battle with this. So let me tell you some things about generosity, right? Here, three things. Number one, the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. Now, by the way, we're talking about generosity and selfishness. Let me, let me just say something. Generosity begins with a G. Selfishness begins with an S, all right? Listen, God is generous. Satan is selfish, just so you can always remember, all right? God's generous, and we're, we're all born selfish. We are, but we're born again generous. That's the great news. We just have to renew our minds. We really want to be. If I said to you, you, you really want to, don't you? You say, yeah, I, I, I want to. I just don't see how I can do it or I'm strapped or whatever, and we want to help you do that. But we, I want to be generous. Uh, I said we're all born selfish. And if you think about it, one of the first words that a child learns to pronunciate very well is the word mine. 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 And, and a child learns to say it at such a pitch that it will hurt a nerve that you have in your back. It, you'll be watching the game or something, and here's what you hear from another room. Mine, 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 mine. You ever heard that? And, and, and a, a parent has to get up and go through the house and find that sound. And you get to another room and it's normally a younger child pulling something from an older child, right? And the younger child is saying, mine, 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 right? Okay, let me explain something to you. There's a place where every parent comes to when we don't care anymore about justice. We care about quiet. <laughs> we don't care whose toy it is. We just want it to be quiet. And so we end up saying something like this to the older child, give it to her. <laughs> and the older child says, but dad, it really is mine. Give it to her. She has things of mine too. Give it to her. <laughs> is that right? So. We, we've got this word mind. That's why I think, because God wants us to understand and grow out of this, listen to me, God actually uses that word, mine, when he refers to the tithe. He says, it's mine. Don't touch it. Now, this is an amazing story because when it talks about Judas, he makes this statement. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? You ever heard that statement before? Can I just remind you who originated that statement? Judas. Why wasn't that sold and given to the poor? We, we do this a lot because we, we see the extravagance or the perceived extravagance of someone else. By the way, let me give you a def definition of extravagance. The one who has more than you. That's extravagant. Now that neighborhood there, that's an extravagant neighborhood until you get a raise and move into that neighborhood. Now that one's not extravagant, but now that one's extravagant. That's extravagance. See, here's what we do. We always wanna to point to someone else so we don't have to point to us. Uh, we were, one time there was a pastor in town that was seeing the church and spending some time with me. And we were going to my home and we passed a, a very large home. 
not in my neighborhood, but a very on the way to my neighborhood. We passed this big old house, uh, you know, with land and the pond and all this stuff. And uh, this guy said to me, look at that house. And I said, yeah, uh, that's actually one of our members. And uh, he's, a, he's a really generous person. And the guy, the pastor went like this, like that. When I said he's a generous person, he said, he said, he ought to sell that and give it to the poor. And I decided that I needed to minister to him. <laughs> and so I said to him, you don't care about the poor. And he said, what? Because remember that Judah said that and it said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor. I said, you don't care about the poor. He said, what? I said, you don't care about the poor because if you cared about the poor, you'd sell your house and give it to the poor. And by the way, I said, the one who made that statement up was Judas, the one who betrayed our Lord. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, I just want you to know sometimes what, as long as we can say someone else isn't doing what they should be doing and we don't even know what they're doing, then we don't have to look inside and see if we're generous or if we're selfish. Now, here's another thing that amazes me about this uh, story in the Bible. It says Judas had the money box or the offering box. Uh, Jesus was in traveling ministry. This was an offering box. People gave offerings. We know that from Scripture. People gave offerings to him. Okay. So what's shocking to me is who gave Judas the money box? Well, let me ask you this question. Who's the leader of this bunch? Okay, so do you think Jesus knew he was a thief when he gave him the money box? <laughs> I know he knew because two years before this, two years Jesus said, did I not choose you 12 and one of you is a devil? He knew. So why would he do this? Listen, he didn't do it for Judas to fail. He did it to give him an opportunity to pass. See, God will test you, not tempt. James says God tempts no one. He, not tempt you. And he also provides a way, of tempt, uh, a way of escape every time you're tempted. But God will actually test you in your finances and give you an opportunity. Now, isn't it amazing, too, that God says, uh, that the Bible tells us he was a thief, and God says in Malachi, the people who don't tithe are stealing from me? Okay, now, he used to take what was, he, he took stuff, took money out of the money box, the offering box. Okay, some churches have boxes, some pass the plate, some have a little bag. It really doesn't matter what the method is of giving. But here's, let me, uh, the question for you. Is there anyone here or, or watching at another church or another campus, is there anyone, anyone that would take money out of the offering? There's none of us. None of us would do that, would we? Okay, let me ask you another question. Anyone, is there anyone that would keep money in their account that actually belongs in the offering? Wouldn't that be the same thing? Isn't that the same thing as taking out? None of us, when the plate came by, would take some money out. Now, I do have a friend that shortly after I got saved, when the plate came by, he uh, made change. <laughs> I remember saying, what are you doing? Oh, I, did, I had to make change. I just, you know, so he doesn't do that anymore. He's a pastor now. <laughs> so... 
All right, so the enemy of generosity is selfishness. All right, here's the number two, the extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. The reason I say extravagance is because God's a generous God and God gave an extravagant gift. Remember, his son. It's pretty extravagant. And there are several extravagant gifts in the Bible. Lots of them. I could name several of them. Uh, David gave $21 billion. In today's economy, what David gave to the temple would be equivalent to $21 billion with a B. That's extravagant. Um, I'll tell you another extravagant gift a lot of people don't think is extravagant, but Jesus said it was extravagant. The widow gave two mites. See, it's not the amount. It's the attitude behind the amount. This, uh, Mary gave 300 denarii. Denarii is the plural of denarius. The word denarius means a day's wage, a day's wage. I've had uh, students ask me, uh, how much is a day's wage? I said, well, what are you talking about, 10 AD or 30 AD? Because it'd be like the minimum wage, you understand? It changes. So 300 denarii, you would work about 300 days a year, so that was just common vernacular for a year's wage, a year's wage. So let me ask you, would a year's salary, whatever your salary is, for you to give that in one lump sum, would that be extravagant? Sure it would, for all of us, right? Okay, let me ask you something else. Would that be extravagant to pour on someone's feet? Because that's what she did. And Jesus said, she actually did this for the day of my burial. This is the only anointing, by the way, that Jesus received because it was too late when they put him in the tomb to anoint his body. So they actually came back with 100 pounds of spices on Sunday morning, you know, first day of the week, to to uh, anoint his body because they couldn't anoint it before they put him in the tomb. Uh, so they come back that morning, and it says they came back early, but um, Jesus had already checked out. <laughs> so that's extravagant. So um, let, that's an extravagant gift, but could you give a gift to God that would impress him? I'm talking about an amount now. Uh, the one who owns everything. The one who, by the way, uh, paves his streets with gold. Not, not because he's trying to show off. Uh, he, it's just laying around. You know, you heard about the guy that snuck gold bars into heaven. Somehow he snuck them in. He had a suitcase. And Peter said to him, well, what do you have in a suitcase? And he opened up real pridefully. He said, look, I got, I, I got some gold bars here. And Peter said, you brought asphalt? So God paves his streets with gold. He has 12 foundations to the new Jerusalem, 12 foundations, and all of the foundations are made of precious stones. By the way, new Jerusalem is 1,380 miles long and 1,380 miles wide and 1,380 miles high. And again, it's not because he's trying to impress anyone. He just got a bunch of diamonds and rubies laying around. And his gates are made of pearl. And if they're that high, they could be 1,380 miles high. The gates, I don't know how high they are. So could you give something to God that would impress him? Absolutely. Did you know you could? Uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 5 says they first gave themselves to the Lord. Uh, 
The scripture in the Old Testament says God rejoices over you. You know what that word means? It means he jumps up and twirls about. He jumps up and down and twirls around. See, it's not the amount. It's the attitude. It's that you give him your heart. And don't tell me that he has your heart if he doesn't have your money. Because Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So actually, when God does get our heart, he gets our treasure. Um, there are three levels of giving. By the way, if you don't know this, and I've done lots of study in the area of giving, three levels of giving. And I saw this years and years ago, probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh, tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings. And nearly every uh, gift you see in Scripture falls under the area of a tithe, an offering, or an extravagant offering. I remember when I saw that, I called Steve Doolin, one of our elders and a close friend of mine, and uh, I said to him, did you know there are three levels of giving in the Bible? And he said, yep. I said, you do not. <laughs> Made me mad because, you know, when a preacher finds something in the Bible, we don't think anybody else knows it. And here I'm talking to a layman, you know, a guy who owns a company I said, at that time. And I said, hey, see, you don't either. I said, what, what are the three levels in? He said, tithes, offerings, and painful offerings. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, that's close enough. Did you know, though, that most Christians never get to the first level of giving? You know how many Christians last year tithed 10% of their gross income to their local church? Undesignated, by the way. By the way, the reason that it's undesignated, you can't say, I want 5% here and 3% here and 2%. The reason you can't designate your tithe is because it doesn't belong to you. And people do want to designate money because they want to control Can I say that again? Because I've seen it a lot. I've seen a lot of people try to buy me. If I give a big gift, will you do this? I just go and answer it. No. No. So you can't designate. So you know how many Christians actually give 10% of their gross income to their local church? It's between 5 and 7%. So only 93 to 95%, 93 to 95%, let me say it this way, of all believers never even get to the very first level of giving. Here's the great news, though. If you ever get to the first level, you'll get to the second and the third because the first level breaks the curse and opens the windows of heaven over you. <laughs> I told you about Steve a moment ago and the Lord, when he said painful offerings, one of the reasons he said that was because God asked him one time to give a very extravagant offering. I think God asked every person several times in their lives to give an extravagant offering, but it might be different for you, Okay. So I want to say that, clarify that as I, as I talk about this. And um, next week is Pastor Jimmy Evans, and then the next week we'll conclude the series, and I'll share with you our giving testimony uh, for uh, Debbie and me, how God began us on this journey. But so one time, Steve and Melody, Steve had paid all the bills and got down to the bottom of his um, checkbook. Now, you need to know that Steve owned a company for many years and now works with our business ministry and, and sold his company and uh, made millions of dollars and gave millions of dollars away. Matter of fact, for 15 years, he gave 50% of his income to the kingdom. So uh, God had blessed him tremendously financially. So one day, he's adding up, he pays his bills, and he looks at the amount that's left over in his checking account, and he thought, God, you have been so good to me. And then he just thought, I wonder how much cash I have. And he had no debt, 
no mortgage, no, no company debt, no debt at all. So he went to a savings account and he took that number and added it to his checking balance. And then he went to his, an investment account that he had and he added that to the other two and then he went to his retirement account and he added all four numbers and he had a, a very, very large number. And uh, he went to bed. Next morning he got up and he was having his quiet time and the Lord said to him, how much money do you have? And he said, my first thought was, I knew I shouldn't have added that up. <laughs> and he'd heard my testimony about giving everything away and he thought, I wonder if God's ever going to ask me to do that. And here was this time where he knew exactly how much he had. So the Lord said, how much money do you have? And he said, what do you mean, God? I mean, do you mean like in my wallet? I mean, how much do I have in my wallet? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He said, what do you mean? You mean like in my checking account? What do you mean? The Lord said, how much money do you have? He was saying to him, you know what I mean. You know exactly how much you have. You added it up last night. So he said, well, Lord, I have this much money. And the Lord said to him, would you give it to me? Now, he said, my first thought was fear. That was my first thought. And that's what the enemy will do. He said, but my second thought was, the Lord asked me. He asked me. And he said, yes, yes, Lord, I would love to do this. So he and Melody gave everything away, everything they had, all the cash, everything. By the end of the next calendar business year, so longer than 12 months, it was the rest of that year and then another calendar business year. He's in having his quiet time one day and the Lord said to him, hey, go add up those four accounts. And he said, it's, it's okay, it's all right, I'm good. I, I trust you, it's good. And the Lord said to him, no, no, it's, it's all right. Just, Trust me, go, go look at them. And he went and looked at all four accounts. Now get this, in just a little over a year later, all four accounts had more than twice as much in every account. And God said, what took you 15 years to do? I did it in one year. I could have done it in one day, son. I'm just simply saying, I'm not asking you to give everything. I'm not asking anyone here to do that, anyone I'm asking you, though, to give everything God tells you to. And let me just tell you, when God does give you the opportunity to give an extravagant gift, it'll be the greatest thing. You will look back on it for the rest of your life thinking we gave this. We, it was such a joy for us to do that. So here's the, the third point I want to share with you is the reward of generosity. The reward of generosity. Uh, now, this same story that we read in John 12 is also in Matthew and in Mark. Let me read you one verse from Mark. Mark 14, verse 9 says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Okay. Notice I said the reward of generosity. Um, she was rewarded. Where Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be told. She, she, she got a reward, but she didn't come to give her, get a reward. She just came to give. I asked you, well, why, why did Satan, I mean, why did, why did Judas, why was he so upset about this? Well, we know it's because he was a thief. That's why. And stole from God. Why, though, did Mary give such a generous gift? Let me answer that question. Because two months before this, her brother Lazarus had been raised from the dead. 
See, generosity comes from gratitude. Grateful people are generous. Well, let me ask you something. If one of your family members was raised from the dead, would you be grateful? <laughs> and do you think that might change the way you give to God? I think it changed. By the way, when I say one of your family members, let me just remind you, all of you who believe in Jesus have been raised from the dead. Because Ephesians says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive. We were buried with him and raised to walk a new life. But I want you to understand that she did not come to be rewarded, but God rewarded her. God always rewards generosity. Now, let me, let me give you the definition of generosity, though. Generosity is when you give expecting nothing in return. Selfishness is when you give and think that God owes you something. That's selfishness. Generosity is when you give to not get anything back. But here's the amazing thing. God always rewards that. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This word rewarder is a, a Greek, comes from a Greek word that's only in the Bible one time, only in the New Testament one time. And it's, it's a five-syllable Greek word, and nearly every syllable means when you put them together and all the, from the root and all, means to pay what is due. But there's one syllable that changes it, and it means to reward with extravagance, to give more than what is due. It's like if uh, someone lost his wallet and you returned it and instead of giving you a $50 reward, he gives you a $5,000 reward. He said, well, there's only, you know, $50 in the wallet. This is, this is too much, okay? He's not rewarding the amount that you returned. He's rewarding your honesty, the attitude of your heart. See, it's not the amount, it's the attitude of our heart that God rewards and he always re rewards. You have to understand, uh, let me say a double negative grammatically. God cannot not reward you. He's going to reward you if you give with the right heart. Here's the reason why. Because it says God is a rewarder. He is. This is something he is. In other words, God can't lie to you because he is truth. He can't lie because he is truth. He is truth. He is a rewarder. Lots of times God has blessed us financially. But there's a difference between being blessed and being rewarded. He blesses us with finances. But Genesis 12 tells us what his reward is. He said, your reward will be me. I'll reward you with myself. He rewards you with himself. In other words, it affects every area of your life. So I'm going to tell you something that happened, and then I'm going to give you the rest of the story that I've never told you. Okay, I shared one time this with you, a testimony, but I've never shared the rest of the story. Uh, there was a single mom in our church, and she was, uh, the Lord was dealing with her about tithing. And I shared the message about the $1,000, and this was a few years ago. I shared the message about $1,000, how much tithe, and that week she'd made $1,000, and it was the first time she'd made $1,000 in a week. And I'm sharing about $1,000, and the tithe is $100. And she's just getting more and more convicted that she needs to put God first in her life. So at the end of the service, she gets her checkbook out. She writes out a check. And when she's about to put $100, the Lord said to her, add $20. And she said, Lord, 
this is going to be a struggle for me to do this, a tithe. And he said, well, yeah, but I want you to give an offering also. And she said, I sat there and struggled and struggled and struggled. Finally, I wrote the check for $120, put it in the offering box before I left. She's walking out to her car. Now, I need you to know this. There, was, there is a man in our church that for years and years and years has carried $100 bills in his wallet and gives them to people when God tells him. He sees this woman walking to, his, to her car, and the Lord says, go give that woman a $100 bill. So he reaches in his wallet, pulls it out, and right beside the $100 bill was a $20 bill, and the Lord said, give her the 22. And he said, um, Lord, I give $100 bills. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for years, and, this is, and the Lord said, no, you obey. That's what you do. And he said, when you give her the other 20, she'll know why. Now, isn't that amazing? She writes a check for 120. There's a guy that gives hundreds, but he gives her 20. So I tell this story to the whole church just a few years ago. I tell, I tell all of you. I go home, and that night we'd invited the kids over for dinner. And it was just shortly after my daughter had come back to the Lord. My daughter lived a, a double life for a while, and I've shared that with you, and she shares it in, when she speaks. But it wasn't very long, and I was so grateful for my daughter coming back to the Lord. So all the kids come over, and my daughter says, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, yeah. And so we went in my office. She gets these tears in her eyes, and she says, story you told today about the man that gives the $100 away? I said, yeah. She said, that's you, isn't it? I said, yeah, sugar, that's me. And just so you know, by the way, I didn't lie to you guys. I just said there's a man in our church, and I'm, I'm in the church. Okay. But I just didn't want to say it was me. I just wanted, to just, I wanted the emphasis to be on what God had done. And so I said, why? Why did you think that was me? She said, because the whole time we were growing up, when you started tearing, telling that story, I was remembering all those times that you would get out of the car and you'd go talk to someone and you'd put something in their hand. She said, I had probably 10 or 15 memories come back to me. She said, you were giving $100 bills, weren't you? I said, yeah. And my daughter, who'd been away from the Lord, looked at me and said, Daddy, I want to be like you. I want to be like you one day. That's a reward. I was fortunate enough to grow up with an earthly father that was really good. He was a great role model. He was a good dad. And uh, he wasn't perfect, but I always knew that he loved me. And... Beyond that, uh, you know, as much as I loved my dad and as much as I was fortunate to have a good role model, I really want to be like my Heavenly Father. That's who I really want to be like. And I know that as an earthly dad, I know that he reflected the love of God, demonstrated to me. And uh, it helped me to be able to understand 
how much God loves me. Because I had a good example, earthly example, and I know some of you did not. Some of you probably had very bad examples of earthly dads, or maybe, maybe you don't even know who your dad is. But that doesn't change the fact that, that God really does love us. And God's greatest desire is, is us to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And His greatest desire is that we walk in the fullness of life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life in abundance. And that's much more than money. But God wants to bless our lives in every area. God's greatest possession, His prized possession is you and me. And when we begin to understand that, that God is for us, He's not against us, He really loves us, it can begin to change the way that we respond to Him. It can change the way that we respond to others. It can re, uh, change the way that we respond to, to people that hurt us, realizing that they're probably very wounded people, wounded people, wound people. And maybe you've been there. I think we all have. But God loves you. And, and walking in the blessed life, is it begins with having a relationship with Him. I'd like for everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart. Maybe you had a relationship with him at one point in time. or Maybe you've walked away. Maybe God is speaking to your heart right now saying, son or daughter, I love you. And it's time for you to recommit your life to me. If that's you, you know it. You know that God is speaking to your heart. Would you slip up your hand? I just want to pray with you. There's no shame in that whatsoever. All of us that have received Christ have come to this place of giving our life or maybe rededicating our life. There's no shame in that. Anybody here this morning and say, I know that God is, is speaking to me right now. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that your greatest prize is us. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would continue to, to work in our lives and speak to us this morning. Let's take a couple of minutes and Ariana's going to lead us in a worship song. If you, if you want prayer, Christine and I will be up here. We'd love to pray with you. So let's just take some time and say, God, what else do you have for me this morning? I'm so excited about what I see the Lord doing in our lives as a church, in my life, uh, in many of your lives. And uh, I know that God has great things. And it all, it all comes back to that relationship with Him. That's why our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That is the key to walking in the fullness of life and uh, fulfilling the great destiny. God has a great plan and destiny for you. So we need to know that, but we need to, to remain connected to the source. Uh, last week, I shared a word with you, that a personal word that the Lord had given to me the week before. And it, obviously, it was for Christine and I, but I, I shared that. I felt like the Lord wanted me to share that because I think it was for not just for us, but for many of some of you in this church. And uh, several of you came up and said, hey, 
can we get a copy of that word? So I want you to know that there's some copies of it here. If you'd like one, feel free to take one. If, if we run out, we can print some more. That's not a problem. But if you want one, uh, they'll, they'll be here for you. The other thing is, is we're going through this series, and we have a few more of these books left. So if you want one of these books, please take one. You know the only requirement is I'm asking you to read the whole thing. Read all of it, okay? The front, even the back cover, okay? I want you to read the whole thing. But listen, if you want one, please take one because it's, it's going to reinforce these principles that Pastor Robert's been teaching on. Let's uh, dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you're such a gracious, giving, loving God. Do a work in our hearts that we would be reflective of that, that we would be generous, extravagant givers, not only of of stuff and money and, and things like that, but of the love of God that flows through us, that fills us. Let us be willing vessels to share whatever you pour through our lives to reach a lost and dying world. And God, it, it begins with us. Continue to, to change our hearts and, and transform the way that we think by renewing our minds, coming into alignment with your word and your character and who you are. That when people see us, they see the character, they see the love, they see the compassion of Christ in us. So, Father, we pray these things with great expectation in Jesus' name. You are dismissed. We hope to see you on Wednesday for Bible study. If you want a book, come get one. Love you guys. Go out and 